0: Hello and welcome to another episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Pleasure to have you here on this fine Friday morning. Thank you again for tuning in. Let's get to it. I have some awesome stories to talk about today. Okay, so a lot of stuff out of MIT. MIT, of course, one of the top research institutions in the world. Um, this week, they're all over the news in many different ways, how machine learning can potentially detect fake news, how they can recover lost dimensions from photographs, still images. Um, we've got a cool story now from MIT, this is from the Mayo Clinic, um, one of their... High-ranking executives gave a speech that I'd really love to discuss. Also, there is a story out of Penn State where machine learning can be used to identify harmful drug-to-drug interactions. This is going to be a shorter episode. I have four stories to cover today instead of my usual 45 hitting... Just seems like some of my episodes do get a little long. Let's get to it. Okay. Let's start with some MIT news. Okay, so with the 2016 election, everyone heard about fake news. Fake news is articles, news stories, etc., that are written to essentially seem real, you know, so it's not like a spammy. Um, you know, spammy, obviously fake and cobbled together news article. These are like professional, con- rather convincing articles if you don't have some rather um, in depth knowledge of the subject matter. And obviously, these are a huge, huge problem because. Most people who are reading the news aren't, you know, they kind of, you know, my, I myself, you know, I go, on, I go on Google News and, you know, I kind of just want to be refreshed on and current with what's going on in the world. So I'll kind of skim through some of the top stories on Google News or, um, you know, another website and just kind of look at titles. I'll click on something and kind of read it more in depth if it looks interesting to me. If fake news is being generated, it'll it real some of these stories really look like true news stories. You know, they, they come from websites that look reputable. Um, they do give the impression that it's legitimate news, but there'll be some false facts within these stories. And this is really important to be able to detect this because uh, you can really convince people of um, really just about anything if you create an article that looks, uh, you know, looks true, you know, looks like it was well-researched, it looks like all these different factors, but if it contains false information, people will latch on to that and potentially create some havoc and chaos, and, you know, it's really important that this gets uh, identified. And one of the scary parts is that uh, machine learning algorithms can generate um, news stories. So they can essentially take a, uh, a news story and alter certain things about it, and some of the best generators come up with pretty decent fake news stories. Um, so obviously a very scary thought. Um, machine learning algorithms can also conversely write stories that are true. So I think there's a place for the one where it's writing true stories. I think it'll you know, create some good content for the world to digest. But if it's you know if someone's creating a malicious version of that and creating fake news to kind of confuse people and all that, that's a big problem. So MIT uh, they work with these models and algorithms called fact extraction and verify models. fever for short. And these ac- uh, they access knowledge databases. Um, so, not sure exactly what they mean by that, but kind of a database that's a ground truth. Um, I feel like Wikipedia, as much flack as it gets these days, everyone jokes, "Oh, if your source is Wikipedia, then it, it must be wrong." Uh, you know, that's certainly true in some cases, but on average, Wikipedia is wildly accurate. It's crazy how accurate. Uh, Wikipedia is that that team is phenomenal. I have no idea how they do it. Um, So it could be accessing, just Wikipedia, could be accessing Wikipedia plus other kind of ground truth knowledge databases. And essentially what they're doing is they're having a machine learning algorithm pull from uh, these, these knowledge databases and try to generate these articles. And then they have another model that's trying to uh, predict whether a new story is machine generated or generated by a human. And what they found was that um, machine learning algorithms actually have a really hard time (laughs) of figuring out if a story is true or false. And this is this is this is a you know a little bit freaky because you know as content gets created ever faster you know we're every year we're rapidly increasing how much content we're putting out on the web and it's just impossible for humans to actually be going through all of this so it it must be automated you know facebook is is working on uh, automated tech to essentially they look at all their live streams and flag anything that looks harmful there's just there's too much video content for any human any team of people to go through there's just there's tons and tons of content being produced every year every day and the fact that models and algorithms are having some issues detecting if a story is true uh, is a big problem so this is this is some solid Uh, reputable research some of the top researchers in the world from MIT they're saying that machine learning models are having problems identifying uh, if a news story is true with these fever databases and they state a couple of things that they think are kind of the source they say that the model gets really confused with, with double negative statements even when a single positive is true. And uh, that's a it's an interesting finding. And another thing is with these fevers, these these fever databases, they're human they're essentially human generated. And when something's human generated, it will inherently have some bias Um, from the person or huge collective, more likely the huge collective of people that created it. And so they note that false statements within that database tend to get more, written more negatively than uh, true statements. And this, this will definitely affect the final model. So what they conclude, which is a scary conclusion, AI is not you can't really say AI is capable of detecting fake news in a highly reliable fashion. Um, they are able to detect if a news story is written by a human or by a machine. There's subtleties that they're able to pick up on. Uh, but like I said, machines can generate true stories in the best case, and they can generate false stories in the worst case. And that is what they're saying. They can't detect. So they can't really reliably detect if a a story is true or not. So this will be really interesting to see where this goes. Um, For every AI that we develop that's good, we essentially need a similar version of that same AI to kind of be a a policing agent and kind of (laughs) make sure that Everything's going according to plan, but what if the policing agent isn't able to detect uh, any sort of wrongdoing, or you know, what if the what if the malicious AI is actually better than the, the police? Interesting to think about that. Next up, machine learning is being heavily applied in healthcare. It's being used in the world of pharmaceuticals. I talked last podcast about how it's being used to influence the supply chain of, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals. The company Merck, Merck is using a uh, vendor called TraceLink to essentially track the supply chain and how pharmaceuticals move through, you know, from their their uh, manufacturing plant to an actual pharmacy. Uh, it's also being used in how drugs actually interact with humans. And this, of course, is a nearly impossible problem because humans are extraordinarily complicated. You know, we have, we have DNA that is, you know, it's, it's millions and millions of variables essentially. And drugs affect every single person differently because of this unique genetic footprint that we have. It might appear that drugs affect people kind of the same way, but it's everyone is every since everyone is different, the drugs interact with everyone differently. And complicate this by not only using one drug, but most people actually will take, actually take. People who do take drugs usually take more than one. So they add in the interaction of the drug responding to the other drug. So this is what companies uh, such as, uh, well not companies, but this is what Penn State investigated uh, in some new research. They're trying to look at these drug-drug interactions and see if there are negative side effects uh, coming from uh, combining different drugs. And how they did this was they compiled a database on uh, essentially liver diseases and then which drug combinations can affect the liver when uh, they're put together. So for the training data they used a bunch of reports from the FDA and they created a alert system and so what they essentially did is, you know, most most drug-drug interactions are, are not harmful at all. But then there's some that are, are really bad. So they wanted to create an alarm for those combinations where it is a really bad interaction. And what they seek to do in the future is combine, they do not look at genetic or genomic data yet, but they hope to combine this FDA uh, report database uh, all this training data that they have kind of on how the drugs interact with each other, they want to combine that with individual genomic and genetic data from actual patients. And this will really give a unique profile of, of how these drugs interact with every, uh, every person. So something like this can really, could really help out pharmacies, could help out, uh, those taking multiple medications could definitely be safer and reduce the risk of of someone potentially even dying from combining drugs. So this is exciting work. It has real world impacts, and I love seeing these types of stories. Next up, also healthcare. Um, I talked uh, several podcasts ago about how the Mayo Clinic is really getting involved in machine learning. So the Mayo Clinic is based in Rochester, Minnesota. It is regarded by almost everyone that it's one of the top medical research facilities in the world. Um, everyone says that Mayo Clinic is one of the best. And it's really awesome to see them being um, more and more involved in healthcare. And so, this is uh, kind of emphasized in a recent keynote presentation from their chief information officer. Uh, His name is Chris Ross, and he's talked a lot about how the clinic is using artificial intelligence technology. And it's great to hear this validation from, you know, kind of a. a figure that's, you know, in charge of a, a very well, you know, highly regarded institution like the Mayo Clinic. Um, so, you know, the applications of AI and looking at medical scans, or, um, you know, the story we just talked about, identifying harmful drug drug interactions. Um, it's kind of validated when someone at such a high position is is saying this stuff uh, is useful. So. Uh, Chris Ross states in this uh, this keynote presentation, he says, "This artificial intelligence stuff is real." So that was that was kind of the line that stuck out to me. It's you know, there's there's so many skeptics with AI. They say, "Oh well, it's people either think it it's fake and computer science, or they think it will do everything." And it's really somewhere right in the middle. Um, it really has a potential to have some great benefits for us. Um, and it's real, but it can't do everything. But it's being worked on by people like Chris. So, the Mayo Clinic is rolling out a ton of new initiatives. And they, they're they integrating machine learning AI with more of their their work at the clinic. So that collaboration with the google cloud it's going to increase uh the insights and decisions that they get from their uh, patient data it's going to increase security of the data as well and they just they're, they're really trying to um have their data work and help the doctors instead of having the doctors feel like they're they just they have to type everything into their computers and then have that data really not come back to help them, assist them, enhance their practicing. So he really sees the future of medicine at the clinic as the machines assisting physicians and enabling them to practice medicine at the highest level they can. So again, Chris Ross from the Mayo Clinic I love this line. Um, He states in this keynote address, this artificial intelligence stuff is real. Cool. Next up. Next up. MIT, again. MIT, you guys are crushing it over there. Thanks for all of your research, all of your pioneering work. It's pretty cool. It's making my job easy. It's these stories are popping up like crazy where it's just everywhere you look it's 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 a story about machine learning being applied to some awesome application I'm fascinated by it and I love using this podcast as an outlet to tell everyone about how awesome AI is and how it's going to change our lives even more in the future I digress MIT change in the game okay so this new research that they published is about it's called recovering lost dimensions from photographs so what that means is the team was able to take still photographs typically ones that were kind of a motion shot so picture people walking or um, you know picture a shooting star or um, you know essentially a a still photograph in two dimensions uh, frozen in time and two spatial dimensions and uh, essentially trying to recreate uh, recreate that 2D image into a three-dimensional video. So one example that they uh, talk about is being able to recreate people walking from a, a, a kind of blurred photograph, uh, must have had a kind of a long exposure time where a photograph was taken over maybe a second or two, and it just looks like there's streaks behind these people walking. So you know, MIT takes this photograph and says, can we recreate that video? And turns out they're actually really good at doing that. So what they were able to do was take uh, these... What they did is they recorded videos of 30 different people walking, and then they took still photographs from that footage where it was kind of a blurred composite of the person walking and they fed this into their model they had so that's called the projected data is the 2d photograph it's it's a three-dimensional video projected down onto two dimensions so they feed that projected data in and they feed in the video so they're feeding in the projected and the higher dimensional one that's their training data. And then they tested it on seeing how well it could recreate it. And so on their holdout set, I think it was uh, six examples of, of people walking. In the holdout set, it like really recreated the original video. It even captured things like their uh, cadence and kind of their gait when they were walking. So... That is really fascinating stuff. You know, of course, this application probably isn't game-changing, but they talk about the implications of this. So being able to recover lost information from, from scans, medical scans, for example, could, could be huge. Um, so you have, you have a lot of two, two-dimensional medical scans, such as X-rays they mentioned, what if you could actually, you know, recreate the third dimension from an X-ray? That would be that would be that would actually be game-changing. So think of these poor countries that don't have access to some of the more complicated three-dimensional scans like MRIs or CT scans. Um, you could take a two-dimensional photograph and try to recreate a third dimension from that scan. That would be huge. That would be huge. Um, so they, they really harp on on that. And I guess the next step for them is a collaboration with Cornell University. And they're going to actually be following through on this. And that would be great. It would make things a lot less expensive if you don't really need to uh, be sitting in the, the tube of an MRI or a CT scan. And uh, still be able to get a third, a three-dimensional image out of it. And uh, the article states that the, uh, you know physicians really prefer having that third dimension. It makes things easier for them to um, visualize and kind of gain insight from a three-dimensional scan instead of two dimensions. Which makes sense. More information, typically, as long as we can filter, more information typically results in a more informed decision so this is really exciting I really will be following this collaboration with Cornell University closely I hope they are really successful in what they're trying to do and that they can bring this technology to medical scans successfully like I said, short episode today covered four stories quick recap basically MIT is crushing it Two stories from MIT. So basically they were able... Well, they weren't able to distinguish if a news story was true or false. They were able to tell if it was machine-generated or not. Just uh, kind of a warning from them that when we have all these news stories out there, um, machines really aren't going, at least right now, aren't able to reliably tell if they're true or false in all cases. They can sometimes, of course, but they have issues, and more work is needed. Penn State is working on identifying drug-to-drug interactions with machine learning. Mayo Clinic, really uh, pushing on AI. Their chief information officer is making this very clear in some recent presentations. And MIT, again, circling back, came full circle. Started with MIT, ended with MIT. The recovering lost dimensions from still photographs, which would be really useful for things like medical scans. Boom. There's your update on this Friday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to me ramble about machine learning news and artificial intelligence. And I will be back. This is AI Buzz. My name is Nick. Bye.